there, and welcome to Sweet Child of Time. I'm Steve Barnes, your host, and this is Sweet Child of Time After Dark. I just thought of that just now. <laughs> what do you think of that, Lindsay? Is that a pretty good uh, tag we could do there, Sweet Child of Time After Dark? Sure. Yeah, you're Lindsay Dunn. Hello, my co-host. <laughs> We're on episode five, and we just came up with the name. <laughs> yeah. Ahoy! Ahoy there, Lindsay. Um, yeah, we're, we're starting out great here. Um, yeah, episode five, uh, Truths, is what we're recapping today. We're, mm-hmm. of course, still doing Dark, and this episode is called Truths. And um, I, I love this episode because we got to see a good amount of some Jonas in there. Um, mm-hmm. You were saying before how he's been kind of lacking. <laughs> <laughs> but we got a lot of Jonas this episode. Yeah, we got a lot of Jonas. We also got a lot of back and forth between the time periods that's starting now. Oh, I love we'll do that. like 2019 and 1986. We're not staying in one or the other and watching them side by watching the time periods side by side. I, yeah, and that's how we kind of start this episode out, like the, the side by sides. I like that a lot. That's what really still the deal for me with this show is like those it's just so simple just take the picture of the person from 86 and put it right next to a picture of them from 2019 and it's the same person it's so simple but so effective it's great right they do a lot with montages you know we always have the the montage that happens 20 minutes before the episode ends or 15 minutes (laughs) whatever it is but it you know, even though you could be like, okay, we get it, that's that person. But honestly, I feel like a lot of people, you know, including me, <laughs> watching it the first time, you know, did get very confused with all the people mm-hmm. and like, who's that dude? And mm-hmm. so it is kind of nice for them to reinforce, um, yeah, that this person is this person. Even though, like, to be fair, the first pair we saw were Charlotte and Egon. <laughs> and obviously, they're not the same person, but they put them next to each other because they're both investigating the case. <laughs> right. But when they do it with the two characters, I think, it's, I think it's really helpful. And I like how they do that. And for some mm-hmm. people, it's really obvious. Like, Hannah looks like her counterpart so much that it's not even really necessary. Um, and Ulrich, too, for that matter. But, like, with Katarina, I think it's, I think it's, I'm glad they gave that to us to remind us, like, oh, yeah, that's, like, his wife. It's not just, like, some random girl in high school he's messing around with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting, like, into, into some, uh, some dark talk already. Before we get into the recap, we got to tell everybody what we've been up to. You're one of my stories over there. Anybody listening for the first time knows Lindsay. I mean, anybody listening for the first time doesn't know <laughs> that Lindsay does these written recaps for us over at oneofmystories.com. That's number one. And you also do like, you know, reviews and recaps for lots of other stuff. Um, this week I saw you do um, How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Is that the, what the movie is called? Yes, that's the name of the movie. And that's the name of your podcast review. I listen to that. <laughs> I, and <laughs> yeah, usually I keep the titles pretty simple. But yeah, yeah that was a, a, a first movie, actually second movie that's on my best movies of the year list already. Okay. So, um, and, you know, great thriller and all that. I also saw Guardians of the Galaxy last week. I need to review that. And I watched Athena for the second time this week as well. If people haven't seen that, it's an excellent political thriller that is on Netflix. Okay, so I can watch that. The other ones aren't out yet for us to re- to see yet, are they? 
The first two, yeah, the first two that I mentioned are in, still in theaters. I didn't realize Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is already out there. That's how... Well, that one, <laughs> that one comes out this Friday. Okay, yep, see, you got me. Because I, <laughs> I was so pretty sure it hadn't come out yet. And I was like, okay, <laughs> she's reviewed it ahead of time. That's good stuff. Um, but you've already seen it, though, so you can give us some spoilers real quick, right? Well, no, we're not allowed to give out spoilers, and well, I follow the rules. Well, this is Sweet Child of Time. We don't follow the rules around here. <laughs> I'll spoil it for you to say it's a really great movie. Okay, cool. I didn't like the first two. I probably won't like the third. I probably won't even bother seeing the third, to be honest with you. But I will listen to your review because I like to see what you think about stuff like that. Um, I'll be on a podcast later this week called uh, Bad Potatoes. And you asked me why they called themselves Bad Potatoes. It's because... They're doing a play on Rotten Tomatoes. Instead, they're bad guys who sit on their couch and they're couch potatoes. Um, but we're talking about the movie. Um, what is it called? It's with the train. Snowpiercer. That's what we're doing. Snowpiercer. That's like a 2013 yeah. movie. And then I'm going to be on one of my stories later this week, I believe. And we're talking about the another 2013 film, Under the Skin. Um, Nate's choice from Void Master. He it was his. Kind of his choice. I don't know. We kind of led him that direction, I guess, right? <laughs> I don't think we really... We tried to have Nate pick, and we ended up giving him some choices, and this was perhaps the least offensive. I don't know. It was. It's fine. We're going to have a great discussion, but it'll be fun to pair up with Nate again. Yeah, right on. I'm looking forward to it. And that's not tomorrow. That's... Anyways... Right now is our recap of Dark, Episode 5, Truths. Um, do you want to start us out with a recap, Lindsay? Yeah, absolutely. In the last episode, we were hitting so many dead ends, and you know we have a third boy that's gone missing, Yasin. Uh, right. mm-hmm. And in the, re- in the show, the episode starts with the parallel shots of Egon, Charlotte, Hannah, Ulrich, and Inez in 1986 and 2019, reminding us, as we mm-hmm. said, that <laughs> our story contains multiple time periods, and we're watching these characters in both timelines. And they've aged 33 years, mm-hmm. but everybody's stories seems to be repeating themselves in some way Oh, back yeah. to that theme of doubling, right? We can go back, yeah. you know, just because we left those, that past episode doesn't mean, um, doesn't mean we've gone anywhere. And in fact, when I saw this episode was called truths, Steve, I was thinking how episode, which episode there was an episode that was two, I think that was lies. Mm-hmm, that's right. So I was like, well, gosh, are they mirroring the episode titles now? <laughs> so I had to look real closely at that and I, I didn't see a really great pattern there they were doing, but we had our, we had our secrets, we had our lies and now we're getting into some truths. There are a lot um, of truths revealed in this episode actually. So, I mean, mm-hmm. this episode title is not lying to us. Yeah. We also see Bartosh, is trying to call Martha. Mm-hmm. Martha is trying to call Jonas, and nobody's trying to talk to the same. You know, <laughs> nobody's trying to talk to the same person. Yeah. They're all reaching out to a different person. It's a typical love triangle. Um, just a few things with the colors. 
also oh, is yeah. that Ulrich is examining this game piece that mm-hmm. is yellow in color. And I believe that might be the one of the parts of Mikkel's magic trick that was under the cups, perhaps. That's right. Yep. Uh, but he's examining that very closely, something I had not noticed, you know, just noticed for the first time in this watch. And Jonas is looking at that red cord, of course, that he right. got on the bike. Yep. So, uh, you know, I want to maybe hear all your thoughts about all of this. But one thing that's, that always strikes me as interesting is we know Jonas is interested in Marta. Yeah. But he has this tendency... When he's overwhelmed with stuff, he pulls away. So mm-hmm. he's stuck on this red cord so much that he can't even talk to the woman he loves. Right. Yeah. There's not really a question, but I guess I'm just throwing that out as a... Yeah. As, yeah. And I'm thinking about immediately thinking about how there's like a red cord wrapped around Martha, like later on mm-hmm. in this episode. Right. Um, I, that's, that's where my head immediately went when you said that he's, he's playing around with a red cord. I was like, yeah, he mm-hmm. kind of is later. He's kissing it later. <laughs> and, right. Um, I guess my biggest thought about too is maybe I'm veering off from what you were asking me, but we were talking about the, um, you know, significantly, um, Hannah's doing the same thing again, like obsessing over Ulrich. Mm-hmm. But then you see, um, Inez and you see like young and old Inez Mm -hmm. and I think that is like your first the first of like the three part reveal about Mikkel later in the episode I think just putting those two Inez's together is like your first clue that perhaps you know Mikkel could be Michael I think that's like the first time that I mean it, it happened before this too I mean, I think you were supposed to make that connection pre this episode, but um, they so significantly talk about that at the end of the episode. And this is like the first clue that you get that 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 could be the case. The fact that, you know, that's Jonas's grandmother. And that's also, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's you would think, you know, looking at it now, you're like, well, that's pretty obvious reveal that, of Mm -hmm. course, this little boy is is her son but i i do think it is quite a shock that um because there's ramifications to that right that you don't think about until it's it's made right because you're kind of hoping as with every time travel thing you're wanting a resolution you're wanting (laughs) hope for poor mickle sure um you don't want to think that (laughs) <laughs> this little kid, or I guess we're probably talking about something a little too soon, but I'm just like, we don't want to think that this little kid gets stuck in this world and that he did one day make his way back. <laughs> and there's, there's this hope. And I think that's what, what Jonas has here is he's, you know, he's sitting him on this path that, he, that he's going to, he's hoping to fix things. Sure. And ha- fix things for his father. And so it's just, it does. It's for some reason it's not obvious. Um, it's you know, not because we don't want it to be true. It's not obvious that at this point that that's the case. But I mean, at the end of the episode, they bang it over your head so like significantly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I was just pointing out that this is the first clue you could. There's like two clues before they make that big reveal, and this is the mm. first one. Having the two NSs side by side 
you know, gives you a clue that yeah. that's going to happen later on. Yeah. Um, I guess another thing, um, again, I'm veering away in wild directions before we move on. Um, our young guy, um, Yaz, Yazin, Yazim. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, I keep wanting to call him Yasmin and, I, and whatever. <laughs> Yazin. <laughs> the, the poor guy is, um, he's deaf. So we know that the, uh, the birds were affected by their eardrums, the sheep, the people mm-hmm. in the chair. Um, we're thinking about these crazy sounds, but that's not going to bother our guy here because he doesn't have any eardrums to vibrate, right? Hmm. Well, he doesn't, his, his eardrums can't pick up vibrations and sounds, but does that mean that he doesn't use those hairs to orient himself in the world and uh, know when he he's does. facing up and facing upside down? I bet he does. Okay. I don't know enough about the anatomy of the ear, Steve, to answer that. <laughs> I don't either. I just thought it was significant that the, that yeah. one of the kids missing is deaf, and we've been harping on eardrums so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. And here's someone who, you know, his eardrums are not functioning properly. But you mentioned Hannah, and that's, that's something I did that stuck out to me in this oh, yeah. part, because you had asked if, like, their meeting at the, at the bus stop was planned or mm-hmm. if she was following him. And I expressed that, oh, she's kind of a stalker. <laughs> um <laughs> And she's here, you know, that's really mm. emphasized because she's cutting out pictures and post- making a scrapbook <laughs> all about Ulrich. But I did notice they also showed Hannah and Ulrich meeting again at the bus stop. So it did seem like it was a regular thing that they do, maybe. Mm. I think you're onto something with the stalker thing. Maybe she makes it so that she arrives right at the exact same time that Ulrich does. So they have to walk to the next class together. Did you ever mm. do that in school, like where you knew that your friend was going to be at a certain <laughs> spot because of their class, and so you kind of like waited outside their class for them? Yeah, see, and I never had any boyfriends in high school, but, you know, but I knew friends that did that, like their boyfriend to make sure they were at this one spot, you know, <laughs> at so that they could meet at the lockers for like five minutes or whatever between class. Um, but you know, that never, that never happened to me, but, but yeah, I mean, I used to hang out at certain places that, that guys I had a crush on might come. Yeah. But it wasn't at school. So you're a little bit of a stalker, but not at school. <laughs> just like, in- oh, I can stalk with the best of them. <laughs> yeah. as all librarians can. That's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anything else for, for this opening? Um, no, I think I ruined enough when I brought up the whole Mickle Michael thing. I think I think I'm good for now. Okay. So we're now in in Winden in 2019, and yes. the radio commentator lets us know that the third boy's gone missing, and that no clues or progress has been made. Just like with Egon, and there's angry crowds standing outside when Ulrich pulls up, and. The camera shows Egon looking at evidence in mm-hmm. 1986 and Charlotte in 2019, reminding us that both of them were stuck. And I actually yeah. was, I was thinking, oh, we, in another episode, the radio person was talking, saying, you know, while Egon's sitting there. So it's right. such a such a repeat here for Ulrich. Big He's time. experiencing all the dissension that Egon did in his time. And why is he experiencing this angry crowd? I mean, this crowd is putting their anger on the wrong person. I mean, this is the guy whose kid is missing. So there's no reason for them to be all like, y'all cops should be doing more. 
<laughs> He's like, I know I'm here. I'm here at the station. It's my kid. I'm trying, buddy. I just thought that was kind of weird how the crowd was, you know, angry about the kids being missing. And here's one of the parents. Yeah. Do people know that it's his kid, though? Like, no, I mean, obviously the people that are his friends do, but this general <laughs> angry crowd of nameless people. I'm sure. I mean, like, yeah, the kid's mm-hmm. name is, you know, Mikkel yeah. Ulrich's, de- Ulrich's kid. What's their last name? <laughs> what is Ulrich's last name? Nielsen. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I'm sure they put the two together. Like, I don't know. Maybe they don't know. Yeah. I guess like those randos. And the- I mean, if they're... If they're pissed off enough about the kids being missing, then they probably know some things about the case. I, I would think they're not just blindly out there. But I'm, um, you know, I'm harping on something yeah. that's inconsequential yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, back at the Doppler house, Charlotte is interrogating Elizabeth about oh, yeah. Noah, the man she met in the woods, and she tells Elizabeth about Yasin being missing and and is asking her to really think about what what it was like to meet Noah. And it's, it seems like a pretty good conversation you might have with a, a witness, but this right. is her daughter. Right. And she's <laughs> interrogating her like suspect number X. Uh, Elizabeth's kind of, you know, she's very in tears trying not to break down, but... Uh, she manages to tell Charlotte that the man was as tall as her dad and he had blue eyes and wore a hat. And when Charlotte, Peter's kind of hovering in the doorway and I almost right. expected him to speak up, you know, while she was doing it. But he waits till, as good parents do, you're not supposed to argue in front of the kids. That's right. Um, yep. He waits until, she, you know, she's done to kind of corner her and be like, why are you talking to your daughter like, like that? I mean, he's right to be upset because she was being, you know, a little cold with her, um, especially she was just missing. This is like her boyfriend. I mean, come on, mom. I mean, mm-hmm. but Charlotte is a pretty, not Charlotte, uh, I keep doing that. Elizabeth is a pretty wise, well put together eight year old. She takes this information pretty maturely, all things considered, and mm-hmm. is able to provide some information to her mom instead of just, you know, like a normal eight year old might just get really upset. And that's all you can do is just, you know, let your kid, you know, cry it out or freak out. Um, she had the wherewithal to answer questions from her. police captain mom and yeah peter was right Mm -hmm. about that but peter also Mm. when charlotte turned around and started interrogating him which i know is where we're leading to next Mm -hmm. which is what she does she's like where were you it's (laughs) your turn for the interrogation Mm -hmm. he is really bad he is very (laughs) bad at deflecting doesn't answer her questions directly um gets looks on his face when like she asks certain questions he still seems pretty guilty at this point. Like, he can't answer her questions. He's deflecting. Right. Yeah, he seemed to be a little bit at war with himself. I felt like hmm. he did want to confess because it wasn't like, you know, with um, later on when Katerina asked Ulrich, are you cheating on me? He immediately mm-hmm. is like, no, I'm not doing that. You know, mm-hmm. Peter, to his credit... Has a real long pause. 
before he negates everything. So he, I think he's sort of, at this point, Peter, you know, before he was wanting to talk to Charlotte, right? He was calling her. Yeah, that's right. But the way that she's acting in this moment, he doesn't like so much that he's now dump, he's now doubling down and being like, I'm not going to, I don't feel, he doesn't feel comfortable perhaps or safe. She's got evidence. She's got hard evidence in his face. Here's your car. Here's this. Here's that. And um, so it seems to me like he's just cornered. And instead of like our boy Ulrich, instead of just coming out and (laughs) confessing at the right time, you instead just double down and deflect. And say the the she's you're crazy defense. That's always like the perfect defense. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Perfect. For a guy who doesn't want to answer any questions, <laughs> just call the woman crazy. Yep. This guy knows how to handle himself really well, doesn't he, Peter? Peter's lucky that we have Hannah in this episode to be worse than him. Otherwise, he'd be on my like worst <laughs> character list still. Again, Peter, <laughs> do something, buddy. He you know, he's just he's so he's so um I don't know, he's such a boring character, though, that it's hard to give him the worst because he's just kind of like milk toast. That's what I'm saying. Like, if it wasn't for Hannah, um, he might be in a contention. But as it is, he's too boring to mm-hmm. even be thought about right now. Well, back in 1986, Inez is trying to get Mickle to talk, and she gives him a gift wrapped in yellow paper. Nice. Yellow. And, yeah, yellow. Bright, bright yellow. <laughs> She's still just trying to get him to trust her, and Mickle is is not talking. To her. To her, right. He talks to everybody else in this episode except for her. <laughs> I think I even saw him talking to, I don't know. Some random person. Yeah, he just stops on you in the street. Hey, my name is Mickle. What's up? <laughs> no, but yeah, I, th- I thought that was very significant. I'm joking, mm-hmm. but it is significant how he's not talking to her, but he is talking to yeah. other people around him. Well, we, I wrote a note about this later, but, you know, the someone he talks to or hinting at mm-hmm. is Noah. And what I think is interesting about that is Inez is asking him about who he is, where he's from. Okay. She's not saying you have to tell me what happened to you, but, you know, she's interrogating him. She's trying to get him to talk about things that... Uh, he's not ready to reveal or right. that are kind of sensitive or key information, whereas Noah and Hannah are just talking to him about everyday things. Right. And what's I know this is, uh, we're talking about a show here, but I, again, I want to compliment the showrunners for just writing this because it's very true that if you have, if you're in front of a kid that is traumatized Asking them questions about why they're traumatized <laughs> does not work for opening up. Right. You have to start with small talk and, you know, get them to warm up to you or talk to them. You know, you don't go directly for the key information. You talk around it and you get them to get comfortable with you. And maybe they get to the point where they would talk to you about more important topics. But... uh Noah is a great, uh, you know, a great priest because he gets, you know, gets people to mm-hmm. talk and, uh, you know, but Inez isn't doing that, even though, I mean, she's a very warm person and we yeah. we mentioned he was willing to go with her, but 
he's not willing to talk to her. Yeah, I thought that yeah. was interesting as well. Yeah, you're right. She's just not asking the right questions. That's all there is to it. Or she's not phrasing her questions the right way. That's it. Everything else mm-hmm. about her is correct. Her intent is, but yeah, I'm with you. I agree. Mm-hmm. So back at the <laughs> back at the Wyndon Hotel, the stranger has completely filled the walls yeah. of his room with <laughs> the drawings, which we saw before. And one of the images is a labyrinth mm-hmm. and a lithograph out of the Minotaur. Going back to the reference about Ariadne's thread, of the Minotaur's maze. And um, now I did was curious about this other drawing they showed for more than one second, but I, I had no idea what that was. Have you seen that before? The one that looked like a funnel going s- small and then... Yeah, I've seen it before. I didn't, I didn't identify it, though. I'm sorry to say. I can't. <laughs> I can't discourse on that, I suppose. Yeah. I was counting on you, Steve. I'm no. sorry. <laughs> I was let's see, a couple things. I was wondering why not notebooks? Wouldn't that be so much easier to make like notebooks you could flip through? <laughs> but I guess he wants they want to give us this image and you know, mm-hmm. that's fine. Um and then my only other note was that um with his with his uh hood off. And like without his hair coiffed or whatever, has his hair down flat. He looks like Radiohead. He looks like you know. He looks cool. He looks like Tom York. I just wanted to bring that up. Like he doesn't. <laughs> he's like an English hipster. That's all I got mm-hmm. for that scene. I mean, yeah. I'm sorry, it's so flip, but yeah, they don't show us much here. Yeah, a little bit later, I went ahead and put these scenes together. A little bit later, he goes to the desk. And mm-hmm. has another scene with Regina. And that's why I was laughing. Because their interactions are always so funny to me. Because he's like, uh, are you leaving us already? <laughs> <laughs> She's just like, who is this weird guy? And he um, he wants to keep the room. And he gives her a box. That's right. That reads Jonas Conwald. I know that guy. Yeah. He's getting a present later. Yeah, we don't know what's in the box, of course, but it, so it's it's all very mysterious what he would be giving to Jonas. He already gave him a cord, you know, but, so what else might he... Well, we don't see him give him the cord, but we're assuming... He gave him some direction on the map, too. Like That's he right. Wrote the map Just goes into his night. room and <laughs> while he's sleeping. Yeah, at least now he's not sneaking in his room and leaving this <laughs> stuff. He's like doing it the legal way. Yeah, I mean, I guess he, why didn't he just leave the box in the room when he came? <laughs> I guess it wasn't the right time. Yeah, it wasn't the right time. He had to wait right till time. the right date. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's exactly right. He, he knows what he's doing here. He's clocking everything in. Mm-hmm. Man, this must be a lot to, to keep track of for yeah, our friend. I, well, yeah, so far we, so far we got a little bit. I think as time goes on, he's got a lot more to keep track of. I think these first few steps are probably the easiest. And as time goes on, it might get a little more complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it would be, I mean, we remember then in episode one, we had Inez like counting down the minutes till she gave, she oh, opened right. that letter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But imagine the stranger. Um, I mean, how long has he been hanging out waiting to deliver this box, for instance? You know, like if you have it. Like let's let's say you know theoretically that five years from now you need to deliver this box mm-hmm. to this person. Mm. Like how hard would it be to like not just give them the box right now? I don't know. It's like it'd be impossible. Yeah, it'd be really hard. <laughs> but I guess if like fate depends on it, then I guess mm-hmm. I would uh, 
steal myself as much as I could. Right. It'd be tough, though. I don't know. It'd be pretty tough. Back at his house, Bartosh is still trying to call Marta. You got to, like, give it to this hand to this guy. He doesn't give up easily. No, he does not. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, he's and rich. He's These rich guys are used to getting what rich. they want. <laughs> He looks at the cell phone that was from the bag of dope and sees the message that there's only one attempt, attempt remaining. So mm-hmm. he did do a second one that we that we didn't see. That's right. And then the phone begins ringing from an unknown caller. Bartosh answers the phone and a voice says, Bartosh, this is Noah. It's Noah again. And that's very surprising to all of us. Like, it was so fun. <laughs> like, the phone rang. That's that's w- exactly what you wanted to happen at that moment. And it happened. Mm-hmm. I, I was so happy about that. Um, I'm curious about what this connection is. Uh, like, like I've told you before, I told you what I remember about this show. But this is a thread that I do not remember at all. So I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to seeing what happens with uh, Bartosh, the drugs, the phone, and our new guy, Noah, Who's mm-hmm. been talking to Elizabeth and now Bartosh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Hannah is having her own game of being ignored on the phone because Ulrich is ignoring her calls, and she decides to show up at his house, casserole in tow. Now, Steve, this would <laughs> yes. have been something she should have done earlier, right? Show up yeah. to help her friends out, deliver a casserole. We discussed this in episode yes. one. <laughs> <laughs> it's taken it's taken Hannah a while to get here. Desperation. I don't I don't <clears throat> think she's showing up here like altruistically. She's trying to she's trying to mess around with her boy. I think she's mm-hmm. back to her stalker genes again, just like when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be I wonder what sort of you know, wish they would have shown us what casserole she made just because we haven't <laughs> seen Hannah cook anything yet. I mean, we haven't seen anybody cook anything, but all she That's seems true. to do is drink wine and smoke cigarettes. So you're right. And if you've ever, I don't know, been on a smoker, like their food sometimes smells like, smell like smoke. <laughs> I don't know. She smokes in the house too, openly. So yeah. the house probably stinks. So Hannah's posing as the good friend and neighbor. Katerina doesn't really seem too excited to Mm-mm. let her in, but she but she says, "Do you want to come in?" Because Hannah's just standing there in the rain, and uh, so Hannah comes in and she's asking how the kids are. And oh, by the way, where's our where's my good buddy Ulrich? <laughs> and he's in the shower, comes down and finds Hannah, and seems not too pleased to see her. Right. He's going to go back to work, and Hannah asks for a ride home, and Ulrich has no choice. If he refuses, he looks like a total a-hole. But I did notice, Steve, that as as mm-hmm. um, Hannah leaves, Katerina gives her a hug and gives a big old sniff mm-hmm. into the shoulder and the neck. <laughs> it was, there was nothing mistakable about this sniff. Nope. And then she locked eyes with Ulrich right mm-hmm. after she did that. So it's, she knows, like mm-hmm. automatically she knows. And Hannah cannot read the room at all. <laughs> she has no like self-awareness whatsoever of what is appropriate and mm-hmm. what's not. It seems to me, um, and his wife is like, yeah, of course. Yeah, give her a ride because it's raining. This is exactly what she wanted. It's exactly why she showed up. She showed up with a wet casserole in the rain on her bike. So 
you were talking about it being stinky. It's probably all wet too. Uh, so yeah, this was all planned and she just, it was an insincere gesture really. Just, I, I, I saw it as such because it was pretty yeah. clear that what she was trying to do and that she should not have come in there. She was, Katerina is not ready for company whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's clear. Yeah. So I was yeah, wanting to yell at Hannah some. I'm sorry. Yeah, Marta's the one that answered the door. Um, so before Katerina, Marta answered the door. And yeah, I was kind of I was kind of wondering if Marta was sort of wanting to ask Hannah, you know, how Yona's doing. But, you know, of course, oh, she didn't do that. I didn't make she's that been connection. Trying to call. Yeah. Yeah, she's been trying to call him. So it was, yeah, it was such an awkward, one of these scenes you're watching play out, so awkward in so many ways, you know, like here's Hannah showing up, you know, wanting to be let in, she's asking her questions, but it's not even coming from a place of true concern. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, we don't see the car ride at this point, right? This is the end of this scene. We do not. Okay. So I won't say anything else about that. Just that, yeah, the smell. I, 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 I was pretty sure you noticed this sniff. The sniff <laughs> in like the, um, the high school hallway. She did the exact same thing, except there was like, you didn't really have much of the, uh, I guess, association at that time. But now she's, Katerina's really on the ball now. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I, I, saw, I heard you go, <gasps> were you going to the next scene or we still have more stuff? Well, I, I'm waiting for you to say you want to take a break. Hey. Is that what you were wanting to do? Wait no more. That's exactly what I was going to do. <laughs> okay. Take a break. So we'll be right back. Hey, this is Steve, and we're back from break now. I lost a little bit of audio with me and Lindsay, but this next scene we're getting ready to get into is we got Bartosh and Jonas, and they're in Bartosh's house, and they're playing video games and smoking weed. And here we go with me and Lindsay. Yes! <laughs> because I mean, Bartosh and Jonas certainly are. Oh, oh okay, I thought we were going to do a quiz, and you're going to have me go smoke some weed ahead of time. <laughs> yes, the, the, the boys are having a good old American time here. <laughs> Yeah, this is what you do when, uh, I guess, you can't get a hold of, you can't, you're like drowning your sorrows about women. Mm-hmm. You just grow up and yeah. play some video games. Makes total sense. And Bartosh is almost, I don't know, not, you know, not, not like Hannah's doing, but he's sort of doing the same thing with Jonas. Uh, have you talked to Marta? You know, like, he's have better you heard from at her? It. <laughs> he's a little bit better. He, he uh, you know, he has, he actually tries to hang out with Jonas here. Um, yeah. But he's lonely and, and isn't, you know, is sad about Marta. So he's just playing these, you know, they play video games and he tells Jonas that he's meeting Eric's dealer tonight. And Jonas almost, you know, seems to laugh for a minute, mm-hmm. but Bartosz is like, no, I'm serious and I really want you to come. And can I count on you? And Jonas says, absolutely, always. Always. Right, Jonas. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think his intention was at this point, yes. You know, I don't think he had any intention of like, you know, lying to Bartosh here. But, you know, just things come up sometimes. Things named Marta. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, we got a confirmation that Jonas is in therapy and that Jonas was in an institution of some sort while he was allegedly in France. So mm. apparently everybody did know that his dad died, but they did not know that he went into an institution. They just thought that, you know, he was taking some time off in France. Thank the Bartosh. So mm-hmm. we got a little confirmation on that story. Not like we were like, you know, dying about it, but <laughs> the confirmation is there nonetheless. You know, did you think, what do you think about their friendship at this point? You know, like in the first episode, you were not too hot on Bartosh. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're set up to sort of not like him yeah. because we were in Jonas's eyes from the beginning and we're kind of like, oh, you stole his girl, dude. But I don't know. What do you think now? Have you changed your assessment? Or are you still like, man, Bartosh is a jerk? No, he hasn't done anything to arouse my my jerk meter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all he's trying to do is get in touch with Martha, and she's not getting back in touch with him. So mm-hmm. for all he know, all we know, you know, he's concerned about Mickle too, or yeah. you know. So no, I guess the answer is no. I don't see much happening that makes me dislike him right now as much as we did that first episode. Yeah. He seems, he seems like a typical, you know, he just seems like an average guy, I think. Yeah. Um, but, but also you sort of, I guess me, I feel sort of bad for him that he was all into Marta and now she's avoiding him. That never feels good to be avoided. Right. And yeah, so I just you kind of you kind of feel like he's acting a little pathetic here, but not in not in a way that's despicable. He's just kind of being a little hangdog about the whole thing. Yeah, and like you know, he shouldn't get. Uh, now that you mention it, he does he does kind of snap at Jonas um, for doing like a bad move in the game. Um, but it's not like he snapped too hard. But you know, he did kind of like they they did show us that he got upset with Jonas at a a bad gaming move. So maybe that's, no, I, I just thought that was, that's normal stuff. You're right. Video I'm, game, I'm grasping whatever. at straws yeah. here. I got, I got nothing against Bartosh at this point. <laughs> Charlotte is examining the pocket watch that Noah gave Elizabeth. Oh, we just got like a quick shot of that. Yeah. So she doesn't recognize this, does she? She's still looking at it and looking at the picture of Mickle and, she just in that room, you know, the stranger has his murder board. Charlotte has her murder, murder <laughs> board, right. too, with all the clues. <laughs> this scene doesn't last very long, but I did want to point out that Charlotte is still thinking about that pocket watch. Yeah. And it's an interesting cut because she looks at the pocket watch and then the next scene we meet Noah. We see Noah for the first time. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. And Noah's the one that, you know, gave Elizabeth the watch. Yep. So... Okay. So back at the hospital in 1986, Noah is talking to Mickle. And I love this scene. It's Me too. a great scene. He asks Mickle if he believes in God. And like you said, uh, Mickle is ready to open up to, to Noah. Yeah. Noah's good with kids, apparently. Um, we know he got Elizabeth to talk to him, that they had a good conversation. And she, Elizabeth didn't think anything of it right so yeah um well i think what noah when noah asks if he believes in god what sort of gets mickle to ask is he asks him directly about a topic that his father has talked to before you know Ulrich he tells 
Noah. Well, my dad says, mm-hmm. you know, so he's excited to talk to talk about what his dad says like kids are well my dad says my dad says <laughs> i thought that was really cute but he he tells him that his dad taught him about the big bang and evolution mm-hmm. and like a good ministry person does noah doesn't argue or, or tell him right. he's wrong but he congratulates him on questioning things exactly but ends by saying that God has a plan for everyone, and sometimes it's also good to question people who question things. He's right. I mean, yeah. you can't argue with this guy. I mean, I'm, I'm geared up to not like him based on a few things, but yeah, mm-hmm. he, tre- he treats Mickle's skepticism very well and good stride. And Mickle, in turn, like treats this whole conversation in, in stride as well. He knows his science mm-hmm. facts, and he's not afraid to, like, you know a man of the cloth. I mean, he's wearing, wearing like a priest uniform. Right. A lot of little kids might be intimidated by that, but Mickle's not. He's he got his facts straight. Mm-hmm. And the talk though is might be confusing for somebody, somebody like Mickle. He's got, you know, he has his beliefs that he's worked out. Noah, like we said, doesn't argue about him, but then it's like, well, I should question people that question things. So should I question you? I don't know. I, I was thinking this could this is like a rabbit hole discussion sure. that could easily could make somebody really think. And I think that would appeal to somebody like Mickle, who clearly likes thinking about things. Um, and but I think it's also good in this episode. We actually start coming into contact with the concept of worldview and characters who have worldviews and how they see the world. Mm-hmm. And Noah is one of the first people to espouse a worldview. He talks about that God has a plan for everybody. So if that's his philosophy he expounds to this child, then that must be his philosophy. And it might be the thing that drives him. Okay. Um, so the show, I, I say all that because... The show does eventually get into worldviews and clashing worldviews. Right. And there's we're getting to we're beginning to get into that now. I felt like I had a lot of notes for this, but I think the I think you've touched on everything for that scene. That's a great scene with okay, those I'm guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, don't be sorry because I mean you brought up the all the great points that I wanted to bring up. So mm-hmm. kudos. Um <laughs> All right. Well, so let me toss it over to you then okay. to talk about our next scene sitting outside the the house in Orr's car because you were oh, anxious to talk about that before. <laughs> I don't know if I'm anxious to talk about it or not. I just uh, just remember like how uncomfortable the scene was. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Ulrich is giving Hannah a ride on the way to the station, apparently, and they're sitting in the car and. Um, Ulrich basically tells her, you know, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep calling, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, Hannah's upset and she um, tells him that she's not, she's not, he's not going to get rid of her that easy. And she's not going to stop calling him. She's pretty adamant. He does the old lean in and almost for a second, you think he's going to give her a smooch, but he mm-hmm. doesn't. He opens up that door and is like, you know, there's the door. Please leave Hannah. And she gets out of the car, but she, she makes it clear that that's not the last we're going to see of her and that she's going to keep bugging him. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, kind of like 
this is like a like an unstable connection that we have. Like that's what that's what I was thinking about with Hannah here. She's she he left her very unstable. So you do not know what she's going to do next. Maybe mm-hmm. think about like an electric connection, how you have like a an unstable connection. The lights might flicker. The might like bl- the light might blow up. Uh, it might go out. You don't know what's going to happen. You either take the yeah. light out or you put it in one or the other. Um, but it's left here kind of hanging. So we don't know where she's going to go next with this. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> this is a classic. I feel like this is a classic case of escalation because we've already seen he started ignoring her calls. Hannah shows up at his workplace. Right. At that interaction, Ulrich is like, I can't do this right now. So right. he's was sort of, I feel like he was sort of leaving the door open for the future. Sure. Or at least, not, you know, he's not, even if he's not really thinking about ever doing the future again with her, he's being the nice, he's giving her the nice opportunity there, right? Like, right. he let her hug him. He was trying to talk to her, let her know, like, you know, I'm just going through a hard time right now. Basically, like, it's not you, it's me, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But now she's gone a step too far. He didn't like it when she showed up for work, <laughs> but he really doesn't like it when she comes to his house and is sitting right next to his mm-hmm. wife and bringing casseroles and trying to get his attention and just five minutes with him in the car. I mean, what was she going to do? A quickie in the car or come in and let's toss in the sheets? I think she was ready for that. That's what she wanted. Yeah. I think that's yeah. the, that's Can the you next... give me a ride, you know? <laughs> I think the next step is like he, he's going to wake up and she's going to be like in bed between him and Katarina. <laughs> she's like, hello. <laughs> Got some rabbit stew yeah. for you over here. Yeah. So this leads us right in to a flashback. Oh, that's right. Where Hannah, and beautiful set of flashbacks, actually, where we go from one character's flashback to another character and then back to the flashback. So Ulrich and Hannah are walking down the hall of the high school together, and he's talking about the breakfast club. Love it. And uh, the quote, when you grow up, your heart dies. And Ulrich is just gushing about this movie and how great it is and how the the characters you think they became friends but no they really just stayed in their own pigeonholes mm-hmm. and it was false and it was it, the real story is bleak you know nobody actually improved and got better they were stuck in a life and that sounds like how Ulrich feels about his life yeah that's what he took from that movie i guess no future yeah and hannah's thinking Hey, you can let's go watch the movie together, you and me again. You know, uh, Ulrich is just too tuned out though. As soon as he sees Katarina, he's uh, he's ready to just leave Hannah behind. And she's does the she tries to do the Nielsen hitting thing, but I guess her <laughs> hits aren't as effective as Magnus's. Are. Nope. Um, but yeah, he's. She, he goes up to Katarina and they hold hands and they're going to go have a smoke together and, and Hannah is just left behind. At this point, they cut back to 2019 and there's Hannah again and she looks pissed. Standing in the rain alone again. Mm-hmm. 
not only was that young actress who plays Hannah in 86, like, well cast, because she looks like Hannah, she's also well cast because of her age. Like, she's obviously younger than Ulrich and Katarina. I mean, you can look at her and tell that, you know, she's probably three, four years younger. Um, she's shorter. It seems to me like she's less mature, right? Well, I wondered if it was that she was... It's hard to tell how old they were there. Um, it could, you know, sometimes girls, there are certain girls that develop faster than other girls. Sure, and I, okay. You know, it could be either one. It could be that she's a few years younger. That's what I kind of assumed. But yes. then again, does, is she just the type that looks younger? Because, you know, at one point <laughs> she looks down her shirt to see if she has right. any breasts. Yep. So it could be she's just a slow developer. But poor thing, though. I mean, he's already going out with Katerina at this point. So, of course, mm-hmm. I mean, no matter who he's walking with, he's going to see yeah. Katerina and go, oh, hey, it's my girlfriend. I'm going to talk to her. Um, mm-hmm. Hannah does not realize this. She like she's focused on her worldview. So, you know, everything is from her perspective. So from her perspective, mm-hmm. you know, Ulrich's my boy. I'm talking to him. We meet up sometimes. We chat. You know, I think he likes me, you know, et cetera. She probably does, you know, tell herself that that he likes her at this point. Um, she must. Um, or I have a chance. Yeah. You know, I have a yeah, chance. that's right. Yeah, he'll see that Katarina's not right for him, whatever. Um, so, yeah, at this point, your heart kind of goes out to her a little bit. <laughs> at yeah. this point. Yeah. Just the same way your your heart goes out to, like, say, Bartosh, you know, wait, like, sure. feeling sad that that uh, Marge is avoiding his calls, you know? Yeah. You don't love the guy, but at the same time, you're th- the yeah. situation they're in, it's like, poor dude. So then back in 1986, we have Ulrich and Katarina sitting on a bench outside school. They're discussing if they will have sex or not. And Katarina tells Ulrich he has to get condoms because she does not want AIDS and she does not want kids. Right. And she repeats this several times. (laughs) And Ulrich promises no kids. Yeah, I think they make that point just to, you know, for the irony, but also Mm -hmm. they're trying to make it clear here as well that this is like a, a consensual setup. That this is something that Katarina absolutely wants and they're discussing it ahead of time. So that kind of, mm-hmm. if anything happens later, anybody accuses anything crazy, we know that Katarina is completely on board and consensual here. Yeah. This conversation definitely confuses me just a little bit because it seemed like, it seems like their boyfriend and girlfriend, you know, they're mm-hmm. holding hands in the hall and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But like this conversation seemed... I don't know. Like you, remember, do you remember when last week we talked about Francisca and Magnus, and you just said that they were kids messing around, and you meant it in a different context, mm-hmm. but you were just like, these are just kids being frisky, and yes. it's not necessarily like, oh, we're in love. You know, Katarina isn't like, I'm so in love with you, I want to be with you. She's just kind of like, eh, might as well be you. It's going to be somebody. Right. It's it's a very strange conversation i know i know sometimes i think sometimes girls are like this and that seems to drive guys wild but you know katarina's just like uh it's almost like two friends having sex rather than 
two people that are in love. What did you think about that? I thought so too. It seems like a business transaction. Like, you know, like we're, this is something we're going to do. So mm. at first I assumed that, um, this, that Katarina was just like a super planner. Like she has like these, these goals in mind and that she has to like check these things off her list as she gets older. And so I just figured like, this is one of her things. Like I'm going to, I'm going to lose my virginity. This is what's going to happen. But then like when I watched it the second or third time, that's when I was thinking this seems pretty much just here just to show us that they're, they're having a consensual relationship just in case Hmm. you missed anything. Yeah. That's kind of what I think. That this yeah. just this is just a plot server. I'm sorry to to be so boring and <laughs> mundane, <laughs> but I do think that's what I do think that their cigarettes they were a little too loose with those. Like when they were hugging and kissing, like his cigarette could have easily caught her hair on fire. I know she's wearing <laughs> hairspray. It's 1986. I didn't like that. Yeah. Oh, and there was a name of a band on his on his backpack or her backpack. Oh, I didn't see that. And yeah, I was I meant to write it down because I was I was going to ask you if that was a a real band, but I for, I forget what it is now. Well, we're going to go back but, and look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anything else about this scene? Uh. Nope. Do not. Mm-hmm. So back at the hospital, a worker from. Child Protective Services arrives and tells tells Inez they're going to come back Monday and take Mikkel to a children's home. And Inez is not too happy with this plan. And mm-hmm. she's really worried that a children's home would, would squash a sensitive spirit like Mikkel. Right. So this is our big, strong second hint. Like this mm-hmm. is step two of our three-part reveal about Mikkel. Is like they're yeah. letting us know that Inez is kind of getting the um, I'm going to take care of this kid vibe. And it's coming pretty strong mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Back in 2019, Ulrich and Charlotte have a conversation in the police Ah, uh, This station. is the scene, I think, of the show. I think. Oh, wow. I, okay. You think this is the scene of the episode? I put a star next to it just because of what Charlotte <laughs> says here. Yes. Um. Okay. Yeah. It's it's. I thought this scene. I'm not sure. I agree. It's it's the most important scene. Um, but it is a really interesting scene for many reasons. Number one, this isn't a conversation. This is like Ulrich's confessional. He's not. You know, mm-hmm. he's not really asking for um, for help. He just he kind of wants someone to talk to. Right. It's also interesting that he talks very openly with Charlotte. Sure. About the fact that he's having an affair, um, they're partners, I guess partners talk, but it's, you know, these are things he's not telling his wife, but they, it's just obvious that he and Charlotte have a good, honest working relationship, and although we don't, you know, we don't ever really see her confess to Ulrich, I guess she kind of does hear a little bit about her grandfather, but. A little bit, but. Yeah. I kind of almost got the vibe that Charlotte already knew about the affair. Hmm. I mean, she probably did. Yeah. But still, it's you know he's not being honest with he's not honest with most people. Yeah, and she yes, yeah, she is one Charlotte. of the few. That's right. She gets the honor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's very ashamed that he made that he's kind of taking after the person that he hated the most 
and you you alluded to this in another a, mm-hmm. a previous episode, Steve, that that he perhaps became a police officer as a as an antithesis to Egon, like an fu to Egon. And he basically says exactly that here. He made the decision to become a policeman after his brother went missing and swore he would do everything different. And now he feels just the same as as that person he despised. And he's cheating on his wife and a failure. And Charlotte mentions, you know, he he talks about it being 33 years ago. The Mm -hmm. number 33 comes up again. And so Charlotte then begins to speak about the 33-year cycle and that the calendars are off and that 33 years, every 33 years, they're in alignment and things happen the same. Yeah, so you love this scene. So tell me how you feel about it. Well, I think think, um, in the first or second episode when I made that prediction, like I bet this is why Ulrich became a police officer. I think I subconsciously Mm -hmm. remembered this scene. Because when Charlotte starts talking about the 33-year cycle, that really keened my interest a lot. So I think I might have, I might have tucked, this inform, tucked this information away, and that's how I made that connection so strongly in that episode. Um, everything she says here is true, and the alignment is correct, because every 33 years, our solar calendar, which is 365 days, syncs up with the lunar calendar, which is... 354 days long. So they're slightly different, but every 33 years, they're exactly the same. And the um, position of the moon, the moon, sun and the earth are the same as well. So I just love this whole concept. And I I think I love her grandfather already. And (laughs) I think I know who her grandfather is. Um, Mm -hmm. Does, does the regular show watcher not know that at this point? Right. Because they haven't made they any kind not, of illusions. They do not know that, yeah. Okay, yeah, so I won't say. But, um, yeah, I thought. I mean, as soon as she started talking about her grandfather being obsessed with time, I was like, ah, okay, I, okay, that's, that, <laughs> <laughs> that rings a bell now. Um, but, yeah, this seems like the kind of thing that a show would just kind of make up just to, like, move the plot forward. Instead, I think the showrunners found out about this 33-year cycle and then – base this show around like a true, you know, scientific anomaly. Mm-hmm. So why do you think it's the scene of this episode? For me, it's just a Steve Barnes thing because when she started talking about that cycle and just her and Ulrich, it, I just remember the first time I saw this show, like a couple of years ago and how much this scene hit me. And how that, mm. like, they were, they kept talking about 33 and that number 33 is in my mind. And then Charlotte makes this, you know, reference to 33. And then, of course, I Google it and I'm like, oh, my God, it's true. What? And yeah. it's it's just such a, a neat revelation, I think. Um, and so for yeah. somebody like me, I don't know. I just think connections are keen. <laughs> yeah, they, they are keen. I think, I think that. It's almost like we've we've been here we've been hearing like it seems like it's happening again mm-hmm. 33 years ago I remember seeing birds like this so it almost seems like overkill to me at this point to okay, say it sure. so specifically because it's like well we've already said that but I guess in a way it's like okay now we're now we're not going to hint anymore we're just going to out and out tell you that there's this alignment of the lunar solar cycle 
and um, it kind of lays a new step of the of the foundation for the show. So in that way, I I can definitely see it's significant, and it is such an intriguing scene. I mean, I can just tell you physically too. Like it made the hairs on my arms stand up when I was listening to mm-hmm. Charlotte talk about this. So it like, yeah, it really excited me. I liked it a lot. Yeah. That's why I got a scar. A star. Mm-hmm. A star. <laughs> <laughs> so in our next scene, we have a meet meet a meet cute. Yeah, it's cute. <laughs> Between Jonas and the the stranger. (laughs) And uh, Jonas is sitting on this bench near his father's grave. And the stranger walks up behind Jonas and tells him that he knew Jonas' father. And and Jonas kind (laughs) of is looking around like, are you talking to me? Like, do do we know each other? And um, he he meant the stranger mentions that. uh, Yeah. and, And again, he does. It's funny when he says, uh, do we know each other? And then the stranger, pause, 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 pause. Right. No. Yeah. But. <laughs> That's what we call a pregnant pause, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I knew your father. The same as, same as Peter's pregnant pause, right? So uh, Michael Conwell saved his life. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. And then he began speaking in the philosophical mumbo jumbo. I put here that yeah. narrator and Noah and Steve seem to enjoy. <laughs> I do, but <laughs> this wasn't the right time, stranger. I mean, you don't sit down on a bench and talk about death with a with a little kid you just meet. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I thought I thought they came across a little heavy handed here. Hmm. Yeah, he's talking about labyrinths and death and getting to the center and one true path <laughs> and following that red cord. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, a little bit bonk, bonk, bonk. Oh, I like, like the red cord re- thing. Yeah, he did make mention of that, yeah. the red cord he put on his bike, the red cord around Martha. Pay close attention, mm-hmm. Jonas. I'm giving you lots of hints, Jonas. Yeah, he's not good. He's not as good as Noah, at that, at this pillow talk, you know, like yeah. he's sort of beating Jonas That's over right. the head because he's like, now he will go to see the play and let <laughs> and you just give me the red cord and I'm just going to say the words red cord and see if that strikes any, yeah. But um, but yeah, it's a it's a fun scene here. He's got this suitcase with him and he's he's uh, packing. You know, he looks like he's going out of town and he just happens to stop by this <laughs> graveyard to have a, a chat about death with Jonas. And he's like, maybe you should evaluate all your life's decisions <laughs> as he gets up. Yep. I mean, Jonas should be Jonas should be taking this seriously, not lightly like us now. Yeah. He should be. Yeah. Actually, Jonas should be he he should be alarmed. I did notice his body language was like a little bit, you know, like yeah. whoa, what are you what are you doing, guy? Which has he should be. Uh, you mentioned Noah, so it's clear that we had Elizabeth talking about Noah in 2019, mm-hmm. and then we see Noah talking to Mickle in 1986. Oh, so yes. we're like, okay, so so you know, we got this clean cut um, priest. He's real clean. Got a nice clean haircut looks like jude law i think it looks like jude law a little bit and then you got the other guy radiohead um ike and he's really dirty all the time and is disheveled and Mm -hmm. comes out of the cave you know and 
there's a, I think there's just a big visual difference you're supposed to pick up on. We also mm-hmm. pick up on the fact that it seems to me that even though we liked Noah talking to Mickle, we're kind of gearing up to not like Noah because we don't know much about him. It's almost like we don't really trust him. We were talking about this last episode, just the way he's getting brought up. Right. Well, we don't we don't trust him because there's missing kids. Yeah. And there's a new priest in town. But we also don't and trust not, the stranger. You know, that's nothing sp- the stranger also, like both of them are shady. Yeah. But it just seems to me that like, it seems like Noah is the one that's, that leans more towards bad and like the stranger leans more towards like, I haven't seen him do anything that makes me suspicious of him yet. He's just a weird talker. I think you mm-hmm. argue a little bit in, in his defense or in his uh, offense, <laughs> Because you, know, you mentioned about the dead bird yeah. he picks up at one point, but that's just like Charlotte. We like Charlotte. Yeah. Um, but we do see a figure dragging bodies around wearing the exact same raincoat. So, yeah, I shouldn't be too given of this guy. I'm just I guess I'm just trying to say that. Yeah, there's a big difference between Noah and the stranger here. Yeah. Oh, well, you bring up one interesting point. That's not what. That's not the point you were bringing up. But something you said struck a thing that that I meant to bring up is so far besides Mickle, you know, with Mickle, he went in. He was in 2019. He gets into the cave. He's now in 1986, mm-hmm. right? Right. But he's the same person. Yeah. Everybody else is their older or younger self in the two time periods, except for Noah. Right. And apparently, um, well, we have, but see, the thing is we have not yet, we've only seen the stranger in 2019. We haven't seen him in 1986. So, but Noah, we see that he's the same age. So we're not seeing a younger Noah. We're seeing the same Noah. So somehow he's, he's, able to go between the two time periods pretty easily. And I'm just assuming that the stranger is doing time jumping too, because he keeps going in and out of the cave. It just seems apparent to me. And he knows the cave. He's got that map. But um, it took my third viewing to actually notice what you just said. Of course, I have all my notes. I've been paying attention to everything. I'm like, Noah did this. Noah did that. But it wasn't until the third time I watched it, which was yesterday, that I was like, wait a second, he would look exactly the same when he was talking to Bartosh as he did when he was talking to Mickle. So mm. that, that's an excellent point that I was going to make at one point, and you just made it for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that. I mean, and that's another reason we, I feel like we don't trust him. That yeah. Um. All right. So back in 1986, a dry cleaning van pulls up to the hospital and Hannah is in the van with her father so apparently he's a laundry uh, dry he's a dry cleaner I was yeah. going to say he's a laundry man he's, he's a, a laundry dry man. cleaner <laughs> for corporate for corporate people like for schools yeah. for hospitals and um, he's going to be 30 minutes and she's waiting in the car I, re- I related to this scene here, Steve. I did always did a lot of waiting in the car when my parents and I went did errands with my parents. I did a and lot of waiting sees, in the car while I'm waiting for my daughter. So yes, I can relate too. Yeah. She sees Mickle sitting on the bench outside, opening his gift that Inez gave him earlier, mm-hmm. and it's a book called 
Ich fürchte mich nicht. I'm probably saying that <laughs> horrible, but it means I am not afraid. And it's by Henny M. Lonow. Which has got to be an anagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good point. Good point. Yeah, I don't know. Because this is a fictional book. You're correct about it's that, too. It's a fictional book. Yeah, I couldn't find any, um, and this author or this book. And I am a children's librarian, everyone, so I, <laughs> I know all the sources. And uh, Hannah comes up to Mickle because she remembers him coming to the school and asks him if he thinks that she's pretty. <laughs> she's direct. Mickle, <laughs> Mickle is like, hmm, I don't know. Um, and then she tells him that she can do magic, yeah, which right. gets Mickle's attention. Yep. Because he loves Harry Houdini. <laughs> she said the right thing. She said the magic words, didn't she? Yeah. He does a magic trick with a bottle cap where he switches it from one hand to another. And he says that magic is just illusion. You have to do it skillfully in secret. Hmm. I thought that was significant. Okay. And she seems really impressed. And, he, you know, Mickle is smooth here. She says, you're cool. And he says, nope, I'm Mickle. Yeah, I love that line. I'm going to start <laughs> using that from now on. Whenever people tell me I'm cool, <laughs> which is all the time, I'm going to say I'm Mickle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think you could say I'm Steve. But I, that's a, I mean, that's funny. That's like a funny. It is. You make it a joke. This whole scene is yeah. great. The background music mm -hmm. is real, like, whimsical. Um, mm -hmm. I wrote down meet cute. You you said there was a meet cute earlier, but I think this <laughs> was a real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think this is our real meet cute of the episode, is, uh, is mm -hmm. little, little Michael and Hannah here. And he doesn't seem quite as, like, big and cool and tough as Ulrich. Seems like the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, yeah. But, I mean, he did one thing. He made her smile. Um, she likes him. Already, mm -hmm. she likes him enough to come sit next to him and talk to him. So you know, this could yeah. this could be he going smiles. places. He smiles too. I mean, it's like it's it's nice. It's cute and everything. It's it's cute. If it weren't for <laughs> what happens next. Well, yeah. Well, let's see. Before that, though, I, I wrote down Nickel talks to her, which doesn't seem that significant, okay. but it is significant because he doesn't talk to Inez. He's talking to her. He's talking to the priest. And, of right. course, her dad looks like Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I mean, <laughs> I had to make note of that. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. We never see the um, – well, I won't say that. Never mind. Okay. Um, the dad. Yeah. This is Hannah's dad. That's all. Yeah. Don't have anything else to say about that. <laughs> he's, he seems cool. I mean, he seems like he's looking out for her best interest, and he's – yeah. I guess that's, you know, he rides, she rides around with him. So I guess they must have, you know, I know from like riding around with my daughter in cars for hours and hours and hours. I mean, you develop a relationship, excuse me, a relationship that way. So, I mean, it's, you know, I would think that. He seems like an attentive, attentive father. He's asked yeah. her, you know, if she's okay. He's not just like, he's not like a, a burn Doppler. He's not just like, you stay in the car while I go to this. You know, he's like, Are, is everything okay with you? And checks in with her. And to his fault though, he believes everything that she says. <laughs> he takes her seriously <laughs> and um, he mm -hmm. listens to her, which I mean, you know, this is a good thing. These are good things that parents do. He like takes her seriously and 
Um, she tells him some serious stuff and he takes it, you know, takes it to the, to the limit, but we'll get to that in just a moment. (laughs) Okay. So in 1986, Ulrich and Katarina are inside the school. It looked like if there was gym equipment, like a ping pong table, a ping pong table and some, (laughs) yeah, some, some balls hanging on the, uh, on the wall and they are going to have sex. And because Hannah is there with her dad, she she's at the school, not in the same room as them, but she walks over to a window and sees them doing this and, you know, spies on them, basically. Yep. And then in 2019, Marta is at the high school practicing the school play. And this is all... Intercut scenes, it right. goes back and forth between them. And Jonas observes the rehearsal. Marta sees him watching in the audience. Bartosz calls to remind Jonas that it's time to meet the dealer. And Jonas ignores Bartosz's call. His always, <laughs> I'll be there for you, bro, doesn't hold any water at all. Not when Martha's um, around. Yeah. Marta's delivering this monologue about her mother and the stories that she would share about the old world. And the monologue is speaks of a mother that would sometimes act cruelly when remembering the past and the character's father. And they talk about the red thread. So this is like Ariadne's thread somehow in this in this play. Right. And we're watching Ulrich and Katarina take a step that will move them closer to having kids, losing Mikkel, and leading the way to where to what what Marta is feeling right at that moment. And so this isn't just a dress rehearsal, and it's not just a monologue. It's connected, of course, to the events in the show in some way, and that may not be as overt, as clear mm-hmm. as we might like it to be. But it is a, just a powerful scene of visually, and we see that these stories are so connected between what's happening between, like, there's the sex, there's the couple's kids, mm-hmm. there's, it's it's a loaded, it's a loaded scene, and... I want to know what you think about this part, Steve. Yeah, I, I guess I'm going to disappoint you here. I mean, I I had to watch this scene multiple times to try to, try to decipher meaning out of the um, mm-hmm. the words that she was saying here. And really, the biggest takeaway I got was the was the thread, the red thread. That was my biggest takeaway, and it was so blaringly obvious too because of what she was mm-hmm. wearing. Um, yeah there's a lot of things happening in this scene and I very much liked it, but I very much didn't take as much from the dialogue, the monologue as I feel like I should have. Like when I read your recap, um, available at one of my stories.com <laughs> when I was reading your recap, it really helped me because, um, I was like, am I missing something here? And mm-hmm. you helped me find that. So I'm just basically <laughs> thankful for your thoughts there. Yeah. Well, um, this is one of those scenes that 
as more goes on in the show, if you come back to it, you will find greater meaning in it for your uh, for your third watch through, Steve. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But the, some of the lines she talks about, like, nothing, um, something about, like, forgiven, uh, forgotten, forgiven but not forgotten. And she says, when when she would when she would speak of my father, she would pull my braids tightly. So hmm. it's clear that there's like a relationship between the mother and the father of abuse or dishonesty. Mm-hmm. And so I think even on a even if you don't know the greater themes of the show and what's going to happen, we do you know we're looking at Ulrich and Katarina who are building this you know, they're building their relationship here that is leading to dishonesty and eventual destruction of their family. <clears throat> and that's kind of what this play is about also, is that there's, there's this family that gets gets torn apart in the end, and there's this red thread leading it all through. And, and, and Ulrich and Katarina are part of the thread and part of the part of the cycle, the 33-year cycle. Obviously, they are part of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe get nickel here and yes. Yeah. And they cut, uh, they did at a different scene, not this one, but the previous one, which I didn't say, but when she says no kids and she tells him twice, you know, <laughs> I don't want any kids. They cut to Mickle in the hospital and that's when he sits down with, um, the priest and it's mm-hmm. heartbreaking. Cause you're like your kid, you didn't want him and now he's gone. You know, so it's well, like I don't think that's the case because I was thinking about that. They were they were having intercourse there. They were having protected intercourse. They probably didn't mm-hmm. have any kids. They don't have any kids that are thirty three. Their kids are much right. younger than thirty three. So they've made a conscious decision to have the kids that they have. I don't think it was an accident. And especially Mickle. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the last born, so well, I mean, I don't know. But, you, she's, you all... but she does say no kids ever. Right. She does. And I mean, yeah, sure. She could have changed her mind. But I'm just saying, here's Katarina the bully, you know. <laughs> she is, yeah. <laughs> who, who, pushes, who pushes him around. And she's like, I don't want any kids ever. Well, now he's gone. So you got your wish. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. Is it? <laughs> it is. Yeah. After the play practice ends, Marta is in the dressing room, and there's a knock at the door. Mm-hmm. It's Jonas! Yay! And he wants to tell her that during the time he was gone, he wasn't in France. He was actually in a nut house. Yes. And that he was too ashamed to tell her the truth. And he's kind of stuttering and, and trying to decide what he wants to say here, but... He does want to know if what happened between them last summer was real. And she nods yes. And then they kiss. Yeah. Classic backstage scene here. <laughs> and, classic backstage scene. <laughs> and he says here, like, um, you know, he, he actually is talking here. Like, if my father hadn't, you know, if, saying, like, if his father hadn't killed himself, then things would be different with him and Marta, which is actually true, which mm-hmm. this is where you can, you know, begin your head spinning a little bit. Like maybe that was a, <laughs> mm-hmm. some, you know, based on what we know going forward, we're not sure how much of a coincidence that is. 
Well, while this is all going on, Bartosh waits alone for his meeting, and Noah pulls up in a town car mm-hmm. and tells Bartosh to get in. <laughs> the two drive off, and yeah, I, you know, here again, we're wondering yeah. what is going to happen to Bartosh. Is he the next victim in in the scheme? At this point, it seems like it that they're either going to have a drug situation. Or they're, um, mm-hmm. or he's going to be gone, just like Eric, because Bartosh is not too old to be kidnapped. You know, he's the same age as Eric, mm-hmm. so yeah, he's fair game. So yeah, I was, you know, yeah. a little nervous about the guy, and then you're like, wait a second, this Noah guy. That's like I told you, it took me three viewings to like for it to slap me in the face. Like he hasn't aged a bit since he was talking to Noah. I mean, talking to Mickle back in 1986. Still has that handsome Jude Law look about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of Eric and, you know, the missing boys, mm-hmm. one thing I think is interesting is Yasin and Mads, I think, are, you know, about the same, you know, they're the same age, yeah. whereas Eric is a little bit older. Yes. So I thought that that might be interesting. Oh, yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, you got this range of kids here. Yasin's eight. Mickle's 11, Eric is maybe 15, something like that. And we know that, like, you know, what happened with Mickle is he wasn't, he's not in the torture room, obviously, but, Mm. but yeah, you're right. That age difference is pretty significant. And Charlotte, not Charlotte, Elizabeth, at some point they show like that drawing that um, Elizabeth described Noah to the sketch Mm. artist. Yeah. And... Boy, she got every detail down to a penny, didn't she? Like, <laughs> Looks pretty good, doesn't it? <laughs> looks fantastic. Looks just like the guy. <laughs> um, back at the Nielsen house, Ulrich finds Katerina lying in Mikkel's bed. Yeah, he gets in and embraces her from behind. She asks, are you cheating on me? And he says, I would never do that. <laughs> and I was thinking, man, okay, like... With Charlotte, with Peter, she presented you the evidence. You know, Katerina doesn't say, I smelled her, but this was Ulrich's chance to make it right and come clean. And, you know, at that, you know, when you, not that it's great to to be able to, to admit to your wife that, yes, you've been unfaithful, but this is a hard time for the family, and maybe this would have been the right time for him to admit Especially when the last scene, he's saying how ashamed he is yeah. that he's doing this and he feels terrible. So why why can't he just talk to her? And then he wants to get Hannah off his back. What better way to get Hannah off your back than to admit the whole thing to your wife? So then you mm-hmm. have an ally that can, you know, help veer you away from Hannah. Um, yeah. It seems like all the opportunity was just handed to the guy right here. And this was the time to take it. I mean... It's obvious that she knows, and I think he knows that she knows, and all that stuff. And yeah, it's it, he absolutely should have admitted it here. And 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 because of everything they're going through with Nickel being gone, it's not like that'd be the best time to admit to an affair. But at the same time, it kind of softens the blow. It's like having an affair is not as big of a deal as your kid being missing, like in the grand scale of things. 
I mean, maybe to some people it might be worse, but I think really a missing child trumps an affair. And I think this is the right time to admit it, Ulrich. Yeah, it is, Ulrich. (laughs) You failed us. (laughs) At the Conwald house, Hannah is deep in thought and wiping off makeup and other stuff like that. (laughs) Uh, She (laughs) flashes back to 1986 and another piece of our puzzle snaps into place, Steve. Yep. On the way back from the dry cleaning deliveries, Hannah decides to make up a story and tell her dad that Ulrich sexually assaulted Katerina. She doesn't say those words, but she's like, what do you do if you see something mm-hmm. that somebody doesn't want to do and they did it anyway without, you know, just the dad is just, uh, he listens to his daughter and drives her to the station. Good dad yeah. again. Um, where Egon takes her statement, and as usual, he is thrilled that he gets to come up with the excuse to harass Ulrich. And she makes up all kinds of horrid details to make the story convincing that Ulrich choked her until her face turned red. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and the we have parallel shots here of Hannah Ulrich and Katarina in both time periods. And in 1986, one of the things to notice is that Katarina has a black eye, which will make the story that Ulrich did this perhaps a little more convincing, but it is something to think about is where did she get this black eye from? Yeah, I saw that, but it didn't register to me until you just mentioned it, as a matter of fact. Wow. Okay. Where did she get that black eye, Lindsay? <laughs> mm. <laughs> I think we find out later, perhaps. Yeah. What I do know is that she was on tape. Hannah was on tape this whole time. So I'm thinking mm. that tape must still exist in that office that Ulrich now works at. Obviously, Ulrich doesn't know that she did this. And Katarina doesn't know that she did this because they would have not be friends with her. after this point I would think Mm -hmm. so this is you know something that at this point only Hannah and Egon and her dad know at this point well I guess the police officers too but um, oh I guess I should say that yeah (laughs) this episode is called truths she's lying (laughs) that's all Mm. that's my last point (laughs) (laughs) yeah this so this is kind of a pivotal moment for our journey with Hannah. It is. Up until this moment, I've told you I feel sorry for her, mm-hmm. that I've that I relate to her, that yeah, we're kinda like, she's a scorned woman, she's sad about this, she's doing some dumb things, going to a person's house, that is not how you act. Right. When you if somebody's avoiding you, you don't show up at their house, even if it's an affair, it's not a good look. And this is where Hannah turns you know, she takes a step too far and becomes unlikable. Absolutely. And I think all the steps were leading there. I mean, she was making like a little collage book of Ulrich. Um, something like somebody obsessed would do. And Mm -hmm. I I think she does have an an obsession with him and it's an unhealthy obsession. And Mm -hmm. yeah, we're seeing how, how bad it is now at this point. So like you said, we're, 
we still want to, you know, we still want to have feelings for people, even when they do terrible. I mean, not when they do terrible things, but you know what I mean? Um, you want to have some forgiveness, but at this point in the story, we're all thumbs downing Hannah right now (laughs) for every, like in 1986 and in 2019, both Hannah's are not showing their best colors right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the stranger walks out of the cave Mm -hmm. with his suitcase and he's on a mission. (laughs) He's on a mission from God. (laughs) And then, uh, Bartosh gets out of Noah's car. Thank goodness. We have no idea what happened to him. They don't show. And of course, you're like, oh, did he touch him in his private part? <laughs> it's, it's just it's, that's the first thip, thip thought I had watching the first time is like, is this sexual abuse? I mean, I was thinking yeah. I was thinking there was a drug talk. I didn't think a drug. Talk. I was relieved when he got out of the car. And that's what made me think, OK, this probably was just all about drugs. I mean, we don't know. Like you said, I didn't think he was sexually assaulted, though. I got to say, <laughs> my mind did not yeah. go there. He didn't look like he was traumatized. No, but Bartosh doesn't have doesn't seem he doesn't have the look of somebody. I don't know. I feel like he's <clears throat> the kind of person doesn't have. He's not very emotive, you know? Yeah. Like, <clears throat> All right, so Jonas comes home, goes up to his room to find a care package. Yep. <laughs> the box that the stranger asked Regina to deliver. Inside the box, we have three items, Steve. Yes. Number one, a lantern shaped like a globe that you touch it and it turns on. It's like a touch lamp. It's a Dark Ways so, production cool flashlight. They love their cool yeah. flashlights. So modern. Yeah. A Geiger counter and okay. the letter. We saw in episode one, written by Michael Conwald, only the letter is really beaten up. Yeah. And looks like it's been through some wear and tear since it was last seen. Which begs the question, how did it get there? The last time we saw the letter, right? it's in the box. It was in good condition. That Inez has. Yeah. It was in fine condition in that box. It was unopened. Pristine. Pristine condition. In that fine wooden <laughs> box. And yeah, this, it was, it's almost like the letter was tossed in there almost as an afterthought, even though it's the most important thing in the box. It's like just down there at the bottom. And yeah, you're right. Significantly torn and tattered and showing its age um, as if it was, yeah, it was in the bottom of a pile of junk and discarded. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It, yeah. It, a little interesting like it makes me wonder how it could be the same letter but it it is yeah. i guess we get to are read it this are time there though two letters are there two letters is this the time you know people used oh. to make three i wrote three copies of the letter <laughs> and i put one here and one there and one here but yeah it does sort of make you go well to to the stranger and Inez know each other, you know. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Did did Inez throw it in the dumpster and then the stranger got it out of the trash? That's a can? quick turnover, though. That was just a couple days ago that she opened it up yeah. on November fourth yep. or fifth or whatever. It's you know, like two days later. Yeah. It's only been a couple days. And remember how we said that, like that picture. Um, definitely, there was two different family photos that had like two different, mm-hmm. two different versions of the same family photo. 
So what yeah. you're saying right now, there could be two different versions of the same letter. I hope not. I'm thinking that this letter is. I'm I'm joking, but it it just it does make you it does make you think like what happened to this letter? Yeah. Um. So Jonas reads the letter, and we hear Michael Conwald's voice telling us the big reveal that Michael Conwald and Mickel are one and the same. And after Mickel disappeared, he had to make a life for himself in order to survive and that the father that Jonas lost is the same person as sorry that's not right the erase all that Steve (laughs) (laughs) the little boy that Jonas let go of his hand in 2019 Mm -hmm. is actually his father that he lost to suicide so is this where we start talking about time loops I guess, because this tells us, I mean, first off, this is the three-step reveal. Like, the first one was really subtle. Second one was pretty subtle. And this third one was just kind of like, this is it. And they just tell you Mm -hmm. straight up. So sometimes, like, you know, the first time watching it, perhaps, if you're only kind of half watching the show, you're kind of like, whoa, that just kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? Um, They gave you little hints. But this, so, (laughs) here we go. Here we go, some confusion. So Mickle comes out of the cave, or Mickle and all them. It's it's 2019. Mickle's there holding Jonas's hand. Mm-hmm. That means that Michael had only committed suicide f- four months prior to that. So Michael, Jonas's dad, existed in the same time as Mickle. So mm-hmm. Michael over there in the Conwald household was observing over there at the other Nielsen household, like, oh, look, she's pregnant. Oh, look, she's pregnant with me. And look at how I'm growing. Mm -hmm. Look at what a little scamp I'm becoming. And, you know, like they existed in the same Mm -hmm. timeline. So Mm -hmm. how must that have been for not little Mickle, because little Mickle is living his life right now, but old Michael knows all this and... I don't know. It's kind of a mind blower, isn't it? Isn't that what we're supposed to have is our mind blowns right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> yeah. It's a mind blower. I'm going to do the last little scene and then we, I want to come back and talk about our mind, mind blower. <laughs> sure. But the episode ends with the stranger walking into a shop filled with clocks. Mm-hmm. And he's carrying this suitcase. And the man inside the shop is none other than H.G. Tanhouse, mm-hmm. the author of A Journey Through Time. And that's what he wants to talk about. He wants to talk about time. Yeah. And the interlude music is Me and the Devil by Soap and Skin. Yeah, they also, they're also known as the people who took a hand in the uh, theme song to the TV show Dark. Um Theme show. Soap and Skin are? Yeah. They, it's kind of like a collab. Um, Apparat is actually Ben Frost's band. I don't know if you knew that or not. You probably did know right. that. And yeah, mm-hmm. Soap and Skin is the band that um, I think is, does, does the vocals for the, um, for the theme song, um, Goodbye. So, soap and, okay. so, 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 so the song Goodbye is credited to Apparat and Soap and Skin. Oh, okay. All right. Good to know. Good to know. And Intravoid. <laughs> arrangement by um so back back to the big the big reveal yeah there's there's a lot 
to, I don't know, contemplate. We had what we've been, you know, we're kind of rooting for, we're kind of rooting for Jonas, right? To like, Absolutely. hey, grab your girl. <laughs> Here's Marta. They kiss. And now Jonas realizes that uh, Michael and Mikkel <laughs> are the same. So that means Marta is kind of related to him. Yeah. And and Ulrich and Hannah have a have a like a, a familial a familial relationship as well. Like that's mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination his daughter-in-law. Um Hannah is Ulrich's daughter-in-law because if Mikkel is Ulrich's <laughs> Right, 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 right. Yeah. I mean, I'm and, yeah. and, and if and if like Katerina knows, for instance, that Ulrich is sleeping with mm-hmm. Hannah, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps Michael knew that um, Michael knew that Hannah is sleeping with Ulrich, who's his father. And <laughs> it's all it's all very like Convoluted Hamlet, crazy. isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, yeah, it really is. And then um, I didn't consider the Martha relationship, though. So you're right. That would make Martha like his aunt then, I suppose, in that respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But kind of. I mean, does Jonas does Jonas like. I would believe it. I'm gullible. I would believe it. Is Jonas a true believer like me? Is he believing this as well? Or does he we don't really know at this point if he's skeptical or if he takes it at full value. I definitely believe it, though. (laughs) <laughs> he has he's reading this letter but right it's that old cognitive dissonance right sure. something presents to you you don't necessarily want to believe it or you're not getting the full effect it's it would be a lot i mean it's a lot to take in yeah i'm guessing he probably not taking in the full ramifications of of every single aspect at at this point he's just like Mikkel is my dad and he Jonas might feel like just like Magnus does a little responsible for you know they all probably feel responsible sure. that Mikkel disappeared including Jonas oh, and he's right. the one that was with him so now he's you know he's like I let down Mikkel he was feeling bad about that and now he's realizing that was my dad and also the coolness that remember when Mikkel disappears mm-hmm. is when he sees the vision of his dad in the woods. That's right. Is the same at the same time when Mikkel it's like one and the same when Mikkel disappears, my dad d- appears who's just killed himself in this vision. So I guess we know now that that's almost like a, a prophetic vision that Jonas had mm-hmm. like his, his dad wasn't yeah. actually there in the woods at that moment, right. but Jonas had that vision. And I guess time did kind of at that moment. Cause that's something I wondered too. Maybe you can answer like he was holding Mikkel's hand and then Mikkel just kind of disappears. Well, they, the lights, um, mm-hmm. the lights flickering and it's dark and he loses Mickle's hand, right. and then when the lights come back on, Mickle's gone. Sure. So I guess we're to take it that because he comes out of the cave in the next episode. So I guess we're just to take right. it that like in the confusion, like Mickle just ran back to the cave. I suppose. 
we do find out later how okay. it, how it all happened. Okay. But, but yeah, I won't get ahead of Mikkel myself. Mickle <laughs> somehow got somehow got from that spot to somewhere else. Yeah, and I feel like okay, they're they're answering some questions for us pretty easily here. Like they're basically handing us some of these answers, which tells me that there's other buried questions that we might be missing. And mm-hmm. um, I guess we're going to be finding all that out because we we still don't have a really cohesive tie-in with Charlotte, Peter, Elizabeth, and Francisca yet. Um, they're all still a mystery at this point. Um, mm-hmm. They're kind of giving us some, you know, some big clues about the mysteries of the Conwalds right now, but we still don't know anything about about those folks over there in the in the Charlotte household, whatever their last name is. The Dopplers. The Dopplers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's just the setting up this cord, this um a knot. Ariande's thread. Right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They do mention something about a knot too at one point. She says something about a knot in her speech. I remember, mm-hmm. um, and that made me think about the knot in the show. I think that Jonas probably is making these same like realizations as quickly as we are. Um, if he takes into account that Mickle is his dad, then he has to like put two and two together and tie his family in with um, Mickle's family and see how they're yeah. related. Yeah. He's a bright boy. I know he can do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, sure, he he is. It's a lot, but I'm just saying it's a lot to take in. It is. He should be, like, yeah. freaking out, and I'm sure he is. I know he <laughs> wants to go back to those caves, though. That's something that he's really into, and now he, I think he has more direction to his caves. Now he has a Geiger counter, and now he has a cool lantern. So I think mm-hmm. that's where everything is pushing him, is to the caves. He's got lights. He's got... He's got the Geiger counter. He's got a map with a new, <laughs> a new red thread marked off, so he knows which way to go. With a giant arrow that the stranger put there for him. Yep, yep. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like the, how this episode ends, like in that little time shop. Um, I, I've always <laughs> maybe because I saw something when I was a kid about like a guy who sits in a time a clock shop all day and is like a wizened old figure. And I think that's kind of like almost a trope sometimes, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's great. And I love the fact the stranger goes in there, wants to talk time with this smart scientist dude. Yeah. I'm looking forward to more Lindsay. I'm so glad we're doing this. Yeah. He's like, now that I've set my, set this, set Jonas up to discover the letter. Now I'm going to go take a vacation and hang out with this <laughs> old dude in a clock shop. That's right. It's like he's down in Cape Cod or something. Or <laughs> <laughs> but I got to assume this clock shop is in Winden, right? Well, I don't know. I can't assume that because, yeah, the dude, um, stranger dude said he's going to be gone for a couple of days. And then we see him yeah. go into the cave, but then he comes, then goes into the clock shop. So yeah, there's no indication that's in Winden. I just made that connection just because everything else is happening in Winden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's okay to assume that. I'm going to keep on assuming it. It's the Winden <laughs> clock shop. <laughs> <laughs> Winden clock shop. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, Lindsay, I think um, I don't have any other thoughts for this show right now. Do you? 
I don't. This is a great episode. It was has a, a big reveal. So I think it's time to get into our character awards. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, am I going first or do you want to go first? I'm going to give you that choice. You can go first this time. Okay. Um, I decided to give my favorite character award to a guy who's been overlooked this whole time. <laughs> and he finally is, is getting some stuff done. He's finally getting his name out there. Congratulations, Jonas. You're my favorite character this episode. Because I want to, I want to see how you're dealing with this, and I want to see you into those caves. You gave Martha a smooch. I'm happy for him. <laughs> so I got to give it up for Jonas this episode. How about you? I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give my best of, <laughs> best of for this episode <laughs> to our buddy Noah. Noah, really? Noah. That's a shock. Noah the Hot Priest. Okay. You know, they, like, that character in Fleabag is called the Hot Priest. And like, <laughs> no, we got our own Hot Priest here on Dark. But I liked, you know, he had a, we've been waiting for the arrival of Noah. Sure. He has a great entrance. He knows how to talk to kids so that they open up to him. That's true. And sure, he might be a serial killer, but that doesn't mean he's not a great character, Steve. That's true. Okay. I'm just really surprised by that answer, but I can't I can't fault you one bit because yeah, he wasn't like evil or anything. He was a I liked how we talked to Nickel Nickel Mickle as well. Mm-hmm. I'm going on to our worst character here. I have a feeling we might be in alignment on this one again. Well, maybe we can uh, narrow it down then. Um, <laughs> do we dislike Hannah in 2019 or we dislike <laughs> Hannah in 1986 more? I'm not sure, but it's definitely. Do we have to pick? Do we have to pick one or the other? Can't I don't we think just say so. The character? Yeah. I think we can just say Hannah takes the cake this episode. Like last episode, it was obviously Peter. This episode, it's obviously Hannah. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm afraid so. I'm afraid so. I mean, I could have given it. I could give it to Ulrich. Uh, give a secondary, <sighs> secondary sneeze ball sure. to uh, to Ulrich just because. He's being a creep, but I mean, Hannah just outdid herself this episode, being as despicable as possible. I mean, accusing somebody of assault and going in and making a tape and making up horrid details when Egon already hates Ulrich and she's just given more fuel, even though we don't like Ulrich either. Yeah. Like falsely accusing somebody (laughs) of sexual assault is a pretty big deal. It is. And then later in 2019, when she's like, she should be understanding that Ulrich has just lost one of his kids, but instead she's trying to get to hook up with him and trying to steal him away from Katarina. And that's just as bad. I mean, maybe not as bad, but her intentions are the same. She's, she's trying to get what she wants and doesn't care who she hurts along the way to get what she wants. Mm-hmm. Very single-minded. I tell you. And yeah, it's. It, I thought it was kind of interesting how I liked Jonas the most and liked Hannah the least. And I was like, oh, mother, <laughs> not like mother, like son. It's <laughs> the opposite of that today. But who knows? Yeah. Maybe next episode, Hannah's going to save somebody's life. I don't know. You know maybe she'll... Maybe she'll go in the past and she'll save young little Hannah. She'll stop young little Hannah from 1986 from doing that. <laughs> I can only hope that's what's going to happen next episode. Hannah goes and rescues herself. I don't think it's going to happen, though, is it? No future. <laughs> nope. 
<laughs> well, we've got a future. We've got like one of our shortest episodes here, Lindsay. I don't know how that happened, but we got right to business. Um, I guess I'm good. Really? It's been two hours. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I guess so. My, my clock here <laughs> says um, 108 minutes, which is one hour and 48 minutes, right? Well, let's just seize the day then. Seize it. And <laughs> seize it while we can and end it. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, you're going to find Lindsay over there at one of my stories, always doing reviews. Um, you're going to find me at Intro Void, and I'm always doing podcasts and music. Hey, I got another song. It's almost ready. I just got to sing it, and then we'll be done. Do um, you got anything you're promoting before we run out of here, Lindsay? No, you've already done a great job promoting me. I don't need to add anything else to that. All righty. Well, I'll keep doing it then. So I guess until next week then when we watch episode six, Lindsay, hope you always find some water and shade. Ooh, Steve, I hope you find water and shade and a red thread, Ariadne's thread, to lead you deeper into the labyrinth until you get into the center and you see what's really going on. Reel me in, Mama. I'm there. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.